Welcome to the Weird Works Podcast. I'm Dr. Christy, your host. Join us for conversations about alternative and sometimes controversial healthcare topics. This podcast will provide the evidence that you need in order to make informed decisions about your health, to empower you with the facts that you need to advocate for your health, and to encourage you that there is hope your body heals. Join us from experts from all things weird, as well as the testimonies of people with stories of radical healing who were once told that perhaps their condition was a death sentence, that they would just need to live with it, or that drugs and invasive surgery were the only answer. Let's get into agreement that if there is something natural and non-invasive that could be helpful, that it could be your first option rather than your last resort. Hey everybody, hope you're all having a great night. Thank you so much for joining us. So this is our first webinar on functional medicine. And tonight we're going to cover how to unlock the hidden barriers to health. So I have a PowerPoint slide. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen. Uh, we're definitely open to, in the chat. If you guys have any questions, definitely interact with me. I like knowing you're out there and listening and seeing your beautiful faces. And we will get started. So we're going to go over what you need to know about functional medicine in order to live your best life. That's my husband, Scott. He's the behind the scenes guy. You guys might interact with him by text or email or in the 9010 um, coaching platform. So it's good to put a name with a face sometimes. So the fact that you're joining me tells me a few things. Um, you guys can raise your hand in the chat and tell me if this any of these sounds like you. Um, maybe you're curious. Maybe there could be more than medicine has to offer. Maybe you aren't willing to accept less than when it comes to your health. You want to have it all, which you should and you can. Um, perhaps you find that you want to go deeper with your health program. So many of our patients are on health programs and they just want to know how to fine tune it or if there's something more that they need to know to get the results they need. Um, or perhaps there's some non-resolving health concerns and you want to get to the root of those. So sometimes people have gotten to a certain point with their health and they find that they kind of plateaued. Um, certain things have gotten better, but maybe there's a, just a couple little few things that you need additional help with. Sometimes that's GI, sometimes it's hormone, maybe your energy levels aren't quite where you want it. Um, it could be mood and focus and optimal performance. Like that's a thing too. How is tell patients, you don't have to wait till you're dead and dying and things are in dismay to get started with us. You could also just want excellence, right? Um, and then another big reason that people seek out the additional services that we've recently added is that perhaps you have a family history. Maybe there's cancer in the family history or heart disease or dementia. Those tend to be the top three that I think people are concerned about. And you're hoping to learn how to avoid that. So the good news is you don't have to go the same down the same road that other people have in your family. You can rewrite history. And then since I talk about who this is for, I might as well cover who this isn't for because it's not for everybody. And that's totally fine. You're not going to hurt my feelings if you jump off of this. Um, but it's not a quick fix. You know, there's no magic pill to health. And so the people that, you know, kind of just don't aren't willing to change diet and lifestyle, you know, we're trying to give you tools and extra data and information so that you can make the exact right changes um, and you can even get more clear about what those changes need to be. So if you're not willing to make changes, you know, there's really no need to listen any further. Um, 
Also, if you're just trying to DIY your health, you can do a lot. And we really focus on all of our health programs on educating on definitely ways that you can work alongside of us as a health partner. We don't want to just have you bring all your problems and say, fix me. Like we really want to partner with you on your health. Um, but sometimes people try to take that to an extreme. And there are situations in serious health conditions where you just can't DIY it. And in fact, although people might be trying to take a cheaper path, you know, by saving some money to DIY it, in the long run, what patients finally agree is like, oh, I should have just come here sooner. I wasted so much time and money and effort. So we don't want that for you. Sometimes it's hard to just commit to somebody, but hopefully by learning tonight, you can make a decision for yourself if this is the right path for you. Um, this probably isn't for you if health isn't your highest priority, um, or if you've just accepted a diagnosis, like if a doctor has told you that you have a condition that you just have to live with and you've gotten used to that and you're comfortable with that, you know, we really have conviction over the power for the body to heal. And we don't believe that you have to live with a condition. Um, we're not saying that we can cure and heal everything, but life can definitely get better. Quality of living can get better. There's a lot that can happen. We've witnessed so many amazing testimonials that, you know, we just want to encourage you that there's more to what's been told to you. If you feel defensive, if somebody talks about diet and lifestyle, and maybe just by me reading down this list of who this isn't for, if you start to already feel the defenses getting working up and you start making excuses about this isn't the right time and well yeah and I know what to do but and etc you know but then maybe it's just not a right time it is something that you could revisit at a later time um and also if you're just perfectly content with a symptomatic approach and you're not really looking to get to the root cause then these methods probably won't be for you so here's my big promise. I always say like, if you stay to the end, you're gonna get the most out of the program tonight. So I encourage you not to jump off early, but you are not your diagnosis. You are not your disease. You are not your pain. You are not limited to whatever doom and gloom philosophy that somebody put on you, that maybe somebody told you that disease is just an inevitable thing and it happens and then you take meds and take surgery and that's all there is to it. You are not your family history. You are more than the information on your previous lab report. And I just wanna tell you that we have more hope for you and that your body can heal. So that's my big promise if you hang with me to the end. And so, you know, my story, I am Dr. Christy. I think you guys all know that because you joined us tonight. Um, but I have been in the field of natural medicine for over 20 years. Um, I worked in upstate New York, and then I've been in Florida for the last eight years. And um, we've built two practices based on getting to the root cause and helping people get well. And I'll go over in a little bit why we keep adding more services, but there's been a necessity. You know, the scope of healthcare has definitely changed in the 20 years that I've been in practice. And we just have to keep honing in our skills and, you know, staying on top of our toes and staying with the latest and greatest because health just keeps getting more complicated. The stressors that we're up against, they're not diminishing. In fact, they're growing. And in order to keep people well, we have to do more, not less. Um, but, you know, my mission is to make true health care, first of all, to teach people what true health care is. 
that their bodies can in fact heal, that drugs and surgery are not the only answer. There's a whole entire health care field out there and what I do about getting people well and getting to the root cause of the problem for once and for all and teaching people and empowering people how to heal themselves, which is so incredibly awesome. And so, you know, this all came like a lot of my colleagues and healers is that most of us were in your shoes at one point, like we were the patient, you know, we were like a lot of my patients poked and prodded and bounced around from specialist to specialist, got no answers, spent a lot of time, money and um, investment of effort, were willing to make the changes and all do all the things and then still didn't get an answer and weren't feeling any better for all the effort that I just described. And so, you know, I had to heal my own body and get off of that medical roller coaster. And so now I'm just super passionate about helping other people in the hopes that I can help you find answers faster with less time and less money than it took me. And hopefully you don't have to go and get a whole career <laughs> in functional medicine and chiropractic and kinesiology and clinical nutrition and all the different other additional things. Unless you want to, which happens too. Like we have a lot of patients who become have become healers and practitioners because they have a testimony and they get lit on fire because they want to help other people and pay it forward, which is so amazing and awesome also. So let me kind of go over why we added functional medicine. You know, for 20 plus years, I've had a successful practice. Bodies have gotten well doing what we do. But what I found is that it was necessary. And so what happens in practice is when you can help people with complicated cases who weren't able to find answers elsewhere, they send more complicated cases like them. And sometimes even later, like, hey, if you can help this, maybe you can help this and this and this. And so, you know, in order to be able to help more complicated cases, we needed more tools in our toolbox. And then just the times that we're in have necessitated it as well, you know, having now practiced through the pandemic um, and over the changing times of the last three years, you guys probably understand this and know it maybe firsthand, but health is more complicated than ever before. Um, we're up against a lot more, you know, roadblocks and curveballs and things we've never seen in the 20 years I've been in practice and kind of not having to make it up as we go, but a little bit, yeah, <laughs> and comparing with our colleagues what's working in different areas and what they're seeing and what's causing new symptoms that never existed before, um, experimental medications being out there. It's just kind of a crazy time in healthcare. And some of these things were necessary to get to the root of new issues and be able to test and monitor progress on programs. Um, another reason was that we found patients needing guidance. And so this is a good thing and a bad thing, but there are all sorts of companies out there on the internet where you can order a lot of really complicated tests. And the problem with that was that patients were bringing us labs from all, you know, a whole slew of different companies and asking us, what does this all mean? And I was like, well, who ordered this for you? Why wouldn't that person go over it? And what I was finding is that people were getting labs without a professional or a practitioner attached to them. So there was no follow-up. So they were given a big packet of very complicated data, which sometimes is scary because I know personally, even with all my knowledge, when I got some of my tests back, 
you kind of go through a little bit of a con like having to confront it like wow what does this all mean you know like am I dying am I sick on every level <laughs> the more positives that come back the more you start questioning all the things until somebody sits down and is like able to prioritize it and take it step by step and tell you the the sometimes it's good to get data like with knowledge comes empowerment like you have something to do with it and it's all about being preventative and proactive so that was a third reason and then the fourth was just wanting to get more root cause so I've talked with patients in the office about this it's a little funny because I thought we were root cause already enough um because we already asked the question why like patient comes in with a certain number of symptoms and we don't give a pill for an ill even though our pills are natural and supplements and not medications and we believe in helping the body heal and asking what is causing our stress in the body for example we test for if there's mold if there's mycotoxins if there's parasites if there's food sensitivities we check for heavy metals and toxic chemicals because those are all sources of stressors or inflammation. And so our protocols, even though somebody might come in for the gut, could be getting rid of all those things I mentioned before we even give anything related to gut protocol. So if you DIY it and go online and you look up your symptoms, of course, you're just going to jump right into the symptom stuff, which is, you know, like slippery elm for inflammation and probiotics and all and what we find is that people DIY it they usually start at the wrong phase so they're not necessarily doing wrong things they're doing good things but in the wrong order and and so we already thought we were root cause better than medicine better than the DIY better than looking up a symptom and giving a supplement but the more that we find and the more that we learn and the more that we study well, now suddenly I'm responsible for that. And now that I have knowledge that we can go deeper, even on a biochemical, a cellular, and or even right down to the genetic level, I found that that's root cause. So we thought we were root cause and we were comparatively, but now we can get even more root cause. And so now that we have that knowledge, we have to share it with you. Like it's now my responsibility. I can't withhold it. So we're going to talk... Um, this is a really cool, it starts out sad, but then it gets positive. Um, this was, this is a current patient that is disenchanted with mainstream medicine. Before she came, she said a lot of times doctors told me my results were normal. Um, so I must just be depressed. I hear this all the time. Like if they can't find it on their labs and with all their technology and all, then they tell people, well, it must be all in your head and it drives me crazy. I was told that and I'm like, if people know me clearly, <laughs> I've never been accused of being depressed except by the medical world. Um, so continuing on with this patient story, I was once told an ultrasound was normal when the notes actually said the right ovary was more than twice its normal size and has a mass. She said, then an endocr endocrinologist told me nothing was wrong with my hormones when in fact my levels were actually screaming pituitary tumor. To my point, three more doctors looked at my normal blood work before they actually found my tumor. So these aren't, you know, these weren't just, you know, crackerjack doctors. These were professionals and specialists. So I want you to listen to Amy's 
after story. I was diagnosed with a pituitary tumor in March of 2016, and I was told by my doctors that it couldn't, we wouldn't respond to medications or radiation, and it was too dangerous to operate on. So I was basically just stuck with a tumor in my head forever. Um, I went to see Dr. Christie later that summer because I just wanted something different from my life. And she was the one doctor who said that I'm not condemned to sickness and I can heal. And one year after my diagnosis, which is a few months after seeing Dr. Christie, I found out that my tumor is gone. Claps! Look at that smile. And so I would recommend anyone who was told that there's no hope that they to see Dr. Christie. Isn't that amazing? So over the course of my career, it's just, this becomes our normal. And I just want to share that with you, not to toot my own horn, but bodies heal, you guys. And that's what we need to let people know, that there is another way and there's much more hope. And sometimes you have to advocate for yourself, which is hard when you're sick and not feeling well. I get it. But luckily for Amy, she kept persisting and she knew something wasn't right. And she kept seeking help until she got answers, which is so awesome. And then she landed in our office and she met this stubborn doctor from New York. And now she's great. And those are some other myths that we need to sometimes overcome in people's minds in order to get well is that they sometimes believe like, oh, it's just my genetics, you know, or bad luck. Maybe they've already been given wrong advice and they're somewhat like attached to some of those words and languaging. It's, it can be dangerous. And I wish that in medical school, they would teach doctors to be careful of the wording, because sometimes when they give somebody a title, meaning a diagnosis, people really believe it. And it can get really deeply ingrained and become part of their um, identity sometimes, or it can really interfere with the belief that they can get better or that they could ever be somebody without that title or, or um, languaging. Um, Sometimes I think it's easy to fall in a rut, especially when you're a busy person, a lot of type A's and a lot of the, you know, boss babes and the high performance people that we work with think sometimes, oh, I'm just in a rut. It's just a phase. And then before you know it, you know, like three, five, 10 years have gone on and it's not just a rut and it's not just a phase. And so I just encourage, like, listen to your body. The sooner we interact with you know, natural medicine, the more likely this is going to work, or at least a lot less work and time and effort will go into the result. Um, sometimes people really believe it. Like my husband was one of these people, and I don't think he'll mind me saying it, but, you know, he always told me early on in our relationship, like, oh, I've always been healthy. You know, my labs have always been normal. All my, you know, blood pressure, every time I go to the doctor, everything's, they would tell me everything's great and it's in within range. And it wasn't that he wasn't healthy, but there's just so much more to know about a person than what's on those blood labs. And if you are healthy, the most advanced testing isn't done. So they're only just ruling out the most obvious um, disease processes. But those labs don't tell you about optimal health. You know, in functional medicine, we really scrutinize labs a lot differently than just being within the normal range kind of a thing. So sometimes people that can kind of be misleading that they're in normal range. Um, <laughs> overcoming certain myths. We have a 
we have a test called heart rate variability and it measures people's stress age or how well they're adapting or not adapting to stress. And I hear this all the time until we hook people up to the machine. If we just ask them subjectively what their impression of their health or their stress levels are, people are like, oh yeah, I'm not stressed. And then it tells them they have, you know, a 30 year old has a stress age of an 80 year old. And they're like, wow, like it's just not measurable because the body will always try to adapt. So that's a myth. And then also overtraining is one of those things that people, I think an attempt to self-medicate and to DIY their health, they think that they have to overtrain and over to get well, especially to lose weight. And that can become a stressor in and of itself. And believe me, like I'm a chiropractor, I very rarely tell people that they need to limit movement. We believe movement is life, but you can if, especially if you're in an adrenal fatigue situation, if your workouts are creating more of a stressor um, or more injury or more cortisol, that might not be the right training for you in the moment, not to say that you can't work up to it later. So what is functional medicine then? So in the definition, functional medicine is the study of how all of your body systems are interconnected, right? Um, you can't, you're not a machine, you can't function, you know, if you take this part out and that part out, even though medicine does like to do that, before you know it, everything gets very disrupted, because in the human body, we aren't pieces and parts, we're not a machine, we're not mechanical, and so everything is in feedback and working together, and so an interconnected web, that's why we use that spider web there. Um, it's also a systems approach to identify the root cause of disease. And on the slide, I put dis-ease because you don't have to wait until your dis-ease, being not in ease or in harmony, comes sometimes decades before an official diagnosable disease. And what we want to help people start to learn it and encourage them to look at their body differently is that you don't have to wait until you have a full-blown diagnosed disease where you're being prescribe medication to start to intervene and do something healthy. And then thirdly, um, functional medicine is an individualized approach to restoring health back to the way the body was originally designed. And that's what's so cool is that we know that the body is intelligent. It's a miraculous orchestra of things that are happening. And I say this all the time, but it's worth saying it again, even if you guys in the audience have heard me before. But when you take the bad stuff out, and you put the good stuff in, the body goes into balance. It knows what to do with that information. And it goes back to healing and performing for you the way it was originally designed, which also gives you a lot of um, control and a lot of, um, but you can count on your body to work for you when you need it most. So you can have confidence, not that you don't have to worry about having to, you know, not join in certain activities or, you know, join in certain things because you're worried that your body's going to fail you or that you can't make it through that particular event, so to speak. So that is the definition of functional medicine. And then in functional medicine, very often, and this is a little bit different, and I have another slide later about how it's different from what we do with nutrition response testing on a daily basis. But oftentimes, the way that data is assessed in functional medicine are through these labs. We call them functional labs because these are far up 
above and beyond just the traditional blood work that mainstream medicine offers. And so very often um, there are labs that are not covered by your insurance companies. Um, they are labs that if you brought them to your medical doctor, they aren't trained in to look at the body in this way. So they kind of would look at you like, I don't know what to do with that. And sometimes that's not helpful either, because just because they're not trained in it doesn't mean it's not real or helpful data. But sometimes they kind of like poo-poo it and make people feel like kind of patients get stuck like they're in the middle of it and getting conflicting information. So just don't be surprised if you try to bring this data to a traditional doctor and they don't know how to read it or they don't um, respect it as real data. So in functional labs, what we can look at are if there's pathogens and toxins. So these are things that we can go super deep with like glyphosate. You guys all know about glyphosate and the um, pesticides and Roundup. We can test for mycotoxins. So if you have have ever been in a mold environment or are currently in a mold environment and maybe mold isn't visible and you can't detect it with the naked eye and you don't want to have somebody come and tear down your walls to look behind every, you know, single, you know, wall or anywhere where there might be water or pipes, you know, to look for potential mold damage. We can do that through laboratories. Um, functional labs. One of my favorites is a genetic test, and this is beyond just like what you get with 23andMe or one of those online tests. Um, the test, for example, that we use tests for over 500,000 different genetic mutations, where the ones that you can order online might test for 20 or 30,000. So much more in detail. Um, there are functional labs that test for hormones and adrenal function. That's a big one in our office, and probably because that was my story, that was my testimony of getting well and my introduction to natural medicine when I had to heal my own body was because of hormone insufficiency and imbalances. And then somehow I became the stress expert, probably also through my own journey. And um, over 90% of our patients are in some level of adrenal insufficiency um, or adrenal fatigue. And so there are tests that really in detail tell us the whole entire hormone picture, not just one one time, one, you know, data point in time. So for example, for females, we know our hormones cycle for 30 days. So if you just got a traditional blood lab to tell you your hormone levels, well, that doesn't tell us what it did a week before in the luteal phase and the follicular phase. It doesn't tell us about the hypothalamus and the pituitary signaling thyroid, adrenal, and female um, hormones. So you have to look at data over an entire month. You've got to collect data. And we don't use blood for our hormone tests or the adrenals. We use urine and or saliva because this tells us about the excess levels that's in the tissues, um, not just the total amount in serum. So there's a difference because what's bound in serum or your blood is bound away and stored where it should be. But the amount that's in your tissues is where the excess levels go. And that's when you start to have imbalances and symptoms. So we have to look at the amounts in the tissues. Um, it also shows us the metabolites. So what that means is how your body breaks those hormones down, tells us a lot more about the picture. 
So for example, estrogen, there's actually three different forms of estrogen. And so when you get a traditional blood test done, they just lump it all together, together and give you a total estrogen level. Well, at certain times of our life, if we're in menstrual and reproductive years, estradiol should be the predominant estrogen that's appropriate during those times because it's produced by the ovaries. Versus when we're in perimenopause or menopausal years, we shouldn't have a whole lot of estradiol and or estr <laughs> yeah, estradiol. And so it's not appropriate to give women hormone replacement therapy to make them look like a 30-year-old menstruating reproducing female anymore. That wouldn't be appropriate, for example. And so there's estriol and weaker, weaker estrogens. Also, what doesn't show up when on the hormonal picture is for women who are concerned about cancer risk because we need to know the, the metabolites. And so there's different metabolites that are safer that the body can fully metabolize and get rid of successfully. And then there's other metabolites that if your body, for whatever reason, and this has to do with genetics, um, this pathway is the estrogen metabolite that causes cancer and, G and um, DNA damage. So you don't want that pathway. So this data is all so important to know the total hormonal picture and also to fine tune a, women, a woman's um, treatment protocol. The same thing with adrenals. Your adrenals you know, we can tell about your stress and cortisol levels. And there's different phases of adrenal fatigue. Um, along the way, you people that are night owls and slow starters in the morning, that's one phase of adrenal fatigue. People that have blood sugar roller coasters throughout the day, that's a different level of adrenal fatigue versus just being like kind of totally flat and having no cortisol or stress. So some stress is good. So that's just a little snippet of the differences. We have functional labs that can show vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Um, and then we have stool tests that show us GI panels, so the health of the digestive tract. And those are really popular with people that have ongoing, you know, alternating constipation, diarrhea, bloating, stomach discomfort, um, people that, you know, are highly food sensitive, that doesn't matter what they eat, that they still bloat. So those are some of the, those are some of the lab categories. And when I was picking my functional labs, there are a gazillion different labs out there, you guys, and I have access to all of them. So if I don't mention one and there's something that you're interested in, definitely let me know. I'll tell you whether A, it's clinically relevant to you and also B, if there's, you know, whether or not I think it's that the data is helpful. Um, I know that there's a lot of tests out there, for example, for food sensitivity testing, and I honestly wouldn't waste your money on them. I know we test for food sensitivity with nutrition response testing. So that is a really good way to test for food sensitivity. So if you're in office patient, stick with that. If you want to know about diet and nutrition, my preferred method is to do the nutrigenomics testing and give you advice based on a genetic level. Um, something that's interesting about the food sensitivity testing like Alcat and there, I know there's some other ones is that most of the companies out there only use the raw version of food for the test. And so you're only testing whether or not you're sensitive to that food in its raw form. Well, how many of you are actually on a raw foods diet? 
So why this isn't clinically relevant or helpful is because when you cook the food, it changes the protein structure and or the chemical composition of the food. And so if you only test the raw form and you're okay, you might not be okay when you cook it and change it. Um, or you could be okay in the cooked form and not the raw form. Um, the same thing goes for the um, food sensitivity testing if you eat foods in combination. So although you might test, you could get a false positive or a false negative on these tests because you might be okay with the food if you eat it by itself. But now if you eat it in combination, which if you think about your meals and your diet, most of the time you don't eat one food exclusively, you eat it in a dish or a recipe with other things. And so when you do that, that also changes the protein structure and the chemical composition of the foods. So, you know, before you go online and order all this stuff, and I don't offer that food sensitivity testing for that reason, um, definitely know what you're getting into and know the story behind it. And I'm happy to consult with you guys on all of that and questions that you might have. So let's go over, I want to go over some of the ones that I hand selected. I was very purposeful and intentional because for our virtual patients, I felt like it was really important for me to be able to guarantee you the same successes that I've gotten in office with my nutrition response testing patients over the last 20 years. And so I hand selected labs that had the best data and the best research behind them and that were reproducible from company to company because I wanted to make sure that I got the same data so that I could fully create a functional program that I'm used to creating. And then for our patients in office that I wanted to have labs that would be clinically relevant and that would add to what we are already offering you. So I thought the best way to do this would be to go to our actual website and share this. So this is the link. If you go to healthbydesignfl.com right off of our homepage, there's a little um, thing there for functional medicine and learn more. And there's this pop up at the moment. And so it talks about what is functional medicine. And I really love this tree. Um, another good analogy would be like an iceberg, meaning like you only see what's above the surface, the tip of the iceberg or the actual tree. And so, you know, what gets presented to you are the symptoms or the diagnosis, like obesity, heart disease, arthritis, diabetes, autoimmune cancer. And so when we talk about the root cause, like diving down below the surface to find out what was the chain of events that ultimately led to the diagnosis or the label, we look at things like emotions, inflammatory imbalances, detoxification pathways, structural imbalances, digestive health, immune health. So we've got to be able to get below the surface. So that's a really great um image to help you kind of get it. And then I thought what I do is just kind of go over the highlights of the tests that we purposefully hand selected for you guys. So the first one is the cycling hormone panel. And I jumped the gun a little bit and kind of taught you, you know, why we need to do this and collect multiple data points instead of one point in time, because your hormones change over the course of 30 days if you are a cycling female. So this is a test that allows us to assess 
um, different estrogens, progesterone, DHEA, and testosterone over the course of the whole menstrual cycle. So we can see the whole picture and know what's signaling at appropriate times. For example, you know, did the signals in the pituitary ever happen? Did ovulation ever occur? So that the second phase of the cycle should be progesterone dominant, for example. So it lets us assess the entire hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis for the whole picture. And when you go on this link on our website, there's kind of a little like self-assessment under each of the labs, under each of the descriptions of who is this for. So then you can kind of just take a little self-analysis to see which um, labs might be a priority for you. Um, so we talk a lot about cycling females, but postmenopausal hormone panels are available as well. And this is important to monitor protective estriol, the you know the lower, um, weaker estrogen compared to estradiol levels. Um, it also looks at progesterone, testosterone, and DHEA. And so we want to understand hormonal balance postmenopausally post so that we can help protect you against bone loss, diabetes, and heart disease. I feel like those three links with hormonal aging is kind of how the medical world um, works to get their claws into you to talk you into hormone replacement therapy. But I'm just going to put this out there, a couple of things to plant a seed to get you thinking differently and advocating for yourself. Number one, our ancestors never used hormonal replacement therapy and their risk and statistics for all of those bone loss, diabetes, and heart disease, their statistics were way better than ours are today, even with the widespread use of hormone replacement therapy. So clearly there's something else that plays into the risk of those long-term um, diseases in postmenopausal age. And then secondly, if a woman is on hormone replacement therapy and then gets an unfortunate diagnosis of cancer, the first thing that the medical world does is take you off your estrogen. And I just have to question, isn't that admission that the estrogen hormone replacement therapy is linked to cancer? And if that is true, then shouldn't it also be true that maybe that woman shouldn't have ever been on it in the first place? These are the questions that I want you to ask yourself instead of just, you know, bold-faced trusting what's been done, even, even though it's done commonly, doesn't mean that it should be done. So then moving on, the next panel is the adrenal stress index. So we talked a little bit about the different phases of adrenal fatigue. Many, many patients come in because of fatigue. Um, and I always ask patients right off the bat, like describe that, like what exactly does that mean to you? Because there's obviously varying levels of fatigue, but usually by the time people are coming to me with that, it's more than just like, oh, I feel a little groggy and need caffeine. It's more like I'm dozing off at work, like I'm tired and unable to focus. I'm irritable with my family. I've got no leftovers, you know, for anything other than, you know, work and I get home and I can't do my chores and cooking and prepping and taking care of the kids, um, mood swings, insomnia, um, lack of appetite, gaining weight, hair loss. It's usually something a lot more than just a little sleepy. So there's tests that can help us measure that and then also measure your response to program, which is so great. I think that this is the diagnosis, like when patients come in 
and we describe to them the link between their fight or fight and their adrenal function that I think people are so relieved to hear that there's an explanation for what's been going on with them. Um, because otherwise, I think they just feel unheard. This tends to be one of those things that's like a syndrome, like the symptoms of adrenal fatigue are so widespread in the body. It's not just an A plus B equals C thing. And those tend to be the type of syndromes that medicine doesn't really have an awesome answer for answer for and doesn't really therefore like to handle. Um, and also in, in traditional medicine, there's really no great tests for adrenals. And so this whole organ system tends to be just overlooked altogether unless there's something major like a tumor on the adrenal glands um so but like i told you earlier in a couple slides earlier 90 percent of our patients regardless of what symptom they come came in with at some point usually has an adrenal priority and we need to put an adrenal protocol together for them so i definitely encourage you to go through that self-assessment tool there and we do work with males. <laughs> they, um, it's so important because there's so much more to male hormone health than just low testosterone, low T, they call it now. It's a diagnosis for low T um, and, there, and then taking hormone replacement therapy for it. So the same, like men need to, we need to get to the root cause of what's causing their hormone, hormone imbalance. And just like women have testosterone, men have estrogen and DHEA and we need to know the metabolites of those hormones as well. And so there's a lot more to the male hormone story than just low T. And so, you know, things like libido issues, sleep, um, a big thing with men is decreased muscle mass, like inability to keep muscle mass on, fatigue. Um, but for them, there's a risk of coronary artery disease and heart attack, um, excess fat accumulation, urinary issues. So a lot of times men just think this is an inevitable thing and the prostate has gone and then they just have to live a life of that or go on medications. Now they start seeing a, a urologist when in fact there could be things that can be done naturally to restore hormone function. So let's not forget about the men, whether you're on the call or you have a man at home, um, please share this info with them. And you can just share the link and let them take the self-assessment. Sometimes men have to think it's their idea before they're ready to jump on the bandwagon. So that's okay. My favorite test since we've been adding the functional medicine is this nutrigenomics. Um, we actually recorded a podcast. I think it was the most recent episode or one of the most recent episodes. I had um, Dr. Jay Dunn, who is the founder of My Happy Genes. That's the company that I hand selected for you guys for this testing. Um, she did my DNA analysis live on the um, on the podcast, but I thought that would be the most helpful. You know, you guys, I was a little bit vulnerable for your sake, um, but I wanted you to see all the value that's there. And this is the one that like nobody who's invested the money in this lab has been sad that they did it or thought that the you know that it wasn't worth their worth their investment. Um, you just get so much data with this. You get five reports with it. You get something called the um, mood and personality report. So there's all sorts of genetic mutations that are related to your stress levels, your personality, um, your work ethic, your entrepreneurial ability, 
your um like your predisposition for PTSD, uh, your predisposition for dementia and depression and hormonal imbalances. Um, but with each one, it also gives you the positive. So, you know, for example, being a type A personality, like absolutely can be linked to adrenal issues, sleep issues, heart disease, like some not so great things, but it also can help you be like a go-getter, you know, somebody who has high conviction, you know, somebody who definitely can, um, like run circles around other people and push through and solve problems and stuff like that. But you can totally take it to the extreme as well. And so that part is super fun because I think it helps people understand why they are the way that they are and have a little more grace for themselves and realize like, hey, this is how I'm wired and how to make good of it or how to take advantage of the good parts of each personality trait. So that's one whole report that you get. Um, and then you get um, a biochemical report that tells you about disease risk. So this is why a lot of people do it is because they want to know what, they just want to know how to defend and protect themselves against inevitable aging processes, especially if there's a positive family history. And so it tells you if you're at risk at cancer and oxidative stress, if you're at risk for dementia, Parkinson's, that kind of thing, if you're at risk for um, a variety of different GI issues, um, heart disease, I mean, you name it, it's on there. So that's really helpful, um, but also really requires you to have somebody, a professional like myself or Dr. J Dunn to go over it with you so that you don't feel like, you know, overwhelmed and we don't want you to feel like disease is inevitable. This is data to help you overcome it. And so if you don't know this yet, even though you are wired a certain way and have certain genetic mutations or predispositions, we call them, the study of nutrigenomics shows us that you can turn those predispositions on or off by changing your diet and lifestyle. And that's a whole field of science. Like you can actually change your genes. I mean, your genes are your genes, but those traits can be turned on or off. And so even if you're not on a great path, you can always flip them back off by doing some positive things. And this tells you exactly where to place your focus. And then you get a diet and lifestyle report. That's the one that most people, maybe because we're nutritionists, tend to really want to dive into the most because it is something that you can do on your own, like how to eat based on your genetics. This is so, so, so interesting because some of the things that are trendy and um, you know, advertised to be health foods or superfoods aren't health foods or superfoods for everyone. And so, for example, with specific genetic mutations, green tea can be a bad thing. Green tea can actually turn off certain enzymes that your body needs in order to detox properly and how to metabolize hormones properly. So if you have that particular mutation, green tea is not a superfood for you. Another example is that there are genetic mutations where um, people have a histamine issue. An issue with histamine is what you traditionally know as allergies. Um, but histamine also is produced in the gut. That's a big area where histamine can leak out into the body. And so 
for example, foods that are sold all over the place as health foods, for example, kombucha and fermented foods like sauerkraut are not good for these people that have the DAO mutation, meaning they can't process histamine. So those are just a couple of examples that I think were wow factors for my family, as well as some of the patients that have already gone through the testing. And so now you don't have to guess. You don't have to read a book. You don't have to read 8 million different diet trends to find out, you know, oh, should I have eat the antihistamine diet? Should I eat the autoimmune diet? You know, should I avoid legumes and lectins and all the things? Like before you know it, and this happens a lot in practices, people come in so over-restricted that there's no way that they could possibly have a sustainable, healthy diet by cutting all these different food groups out. So like there's literally no guesswork. This test even shows you whether intermittent fasting is good for you. It shows you what um, your macros should be, like whether you should be high carb or moderate fat or low protein or high protein, for example. Um, I'm trying to think of some other interesting facts. You know, if nightshades are an issue for you, it tells you your um, predisposition for addiction to different opioids. Um, whether caffeine is how bad caffeine is for you. So all my adrenal fatigue patients, if they've done any amount of self-study, are like, oh, do I really have to give up caffeine? Well, now we really know, like, can you have some, none, or, you know, once in a while occasional. Um, salt is a big one. So I'm a big, like, LMNT, which is electrolyte drink. I put Himalayan sea salt. I just salt everything. And a lot of people with adrenal fatigue do. They tend to crave salt more than sugar. And my salt really is in the red. Like I have to be super careful about it. So I'm like, okay, then I'm going to start monitoring my blood pressure because we do have heart disease in my family. And I'm just going to keep an eye on it. That way, if I see it trending or creeping, instead of waiting till like not look at it and then a decade later, find out that I have hyper hypertension, I'm looking at it as a trend over time. And if so, then I'll start cutting back on the salt, knowing my genetic pathways. Just so much cool stuff. I mean, it could talk on forever, but that's my super favorite one. And then from there, we create what we call like your genetic multivitamin. And so we can give you supplements based on the very enzymatic level of turning genetics on or off. It's just super cool. So that one I almost recommend as a starting point for people that are on our wellness programs, because that's a real good way to like go even further after you've already gone through some level of clean out and detox and a protocol with us. So I really like that for all existing patients. Like you can't, you can definitely go deeper with the nutrigenomics, even if you're already on a clinical nutrition program with us. So that's for people that want to go deep. Um, the GI effects is about your gut health. And this test assesses your gut health on five different levels. So it assesses the ability for you to digest and absorb nutrition, nutrients. It also tests for if there's inflammation in the intestines. And it also tests the intestinal microbiome. So microbiome is just a buzzword for all the good, healthy critters that live in there, but you also can have bad critters that overwhelm the good critters. And so this really tests for if there's yeast overgrowth, if there's good and or bad bacteria, it has a whole panel of um, testing for parasites. Uh, it just, it's really, really good. 
and then we can fine tune a protocol. So I do find in practice that that, especially with the histamine thing that I just mentioned on the nutrigenomics, there's a lot of reasons why patients could have ongoing residual GI symptoms even after doing a good gut healing protocol and changing their diet. So if you're one of those people that finds like you feel like you're doing seemingly all the right things and you eat pretty clean and healthy and you still are having issues, I highly recommend doing this test so we can find out the rest of the story. So that is that is who that's for. Um, but then there's other things that you might not think are linked to gut. For example, dermatitis and eczema, um, seasonal allergies, autoimmune and mood disorders, joint aches, diabetes and weight issues. So those are other reasons to do stool tests. Um, and your gut is your second brain. You actually produce more neurochemicals in your gut than you do in your brain. And so, you know, mental health, for obvious reasons with what's gone on over the last three years, is at an all-time high right now. And so if we could just get everybody's guts better, I think we could make a big dent in the mental health issues. And I'm not saying that that's the only piece of the picture, but what if all the people right now that we're struggling at least could start with a foundation of good gut health so that that's one foundational area? It would make a huge difference, I'm telling you. And metabolomics is a really cool um, test. I don't necessarily need to do this with a lot of our in-office patients, but if you're a patient that's only going to work with us virtually or you're going to be mostly virtual, this really helps us assess over 50 key nutritional biomarkers um, and the metabolites, like how your body breaks down nutrients, for example, you know, B12 and B6 and biotin, all your B vitamins um, and your amino acids and tests for oxidative stress markers. Um, so that can help us figure out what antioxidants or minerals or digestive support the body needs. So this is helpful if we're never going to be able to do our nutrition response testing with you. So that's super helpful. And then there's tests for toxic burdens um, to tell about everyday stressors in your environment. So our virtual patients, depending on where you live, everybody's environment is different, right? Like if you have California smog and fires like up in Canada and the um, New England states, um, if you're in Texas, there's different pesticides and chemicals and heavy metals, um, depending on what water source you live by, what industrial factories and what they're burning and eliminating. Um, if you have 5G in your environment, these are all differences that we need to know what is the, you know, overall toxic burden for where you live and also where you used to live, like where you grew up. Because if you've never done a formal detox program before, um, these things can be very persistent and stay in the body, sometimes for decades, if not a lifetime. And so if you've never done a proper detox, this is definitely something I don't recommend DIYing. I know everybody and their mother are selling detox products and there's all sorts of things, sprays that I know we're big in the crunchy mom groups here in Jacksonville and I kind of forewarn people about don't jump into a detox if you don't know what you're doing. You can really cause more damage than good. It can be harmful. Um, you're, if your body has impaired detox pathways, um, you 
in an effort to detox, you actually could create more toxic byproducts because your body can't go through phase one, two, and three detox. And that can be very dangerous. So I definitely don't recommend DIY detox product programs. It's just too dangerous. Uh, mycotoxins are things like mold and the toxins that are released from mold. So I talked a little about bit earlier on in the um, presentation that people think if they don't see mold on their walls and in their shower and in the obvious places like under their pipes and in places where there's water pipes and lines that they're safe, right? Like a lot of times when I ask people this subjectively, like, have you ever had a mold exposure? They're like, oh, no, no. And I'm like, well, you live in Florida. Like Florida is a breeding ground for mold. For example, when you look outside, like there's all sorts of mold and mildew just naturally on the trunks of the trees and growing by the, on the pool patios and people live near um, ponds and by the river and all that kind of stuff. Like there's definitely mold out there. Um, but People also don't think about necessarily um, leftovers, spoiled and rotten foods, nuts and coffee and certain spices are known to be higher mold carrying. Um, I know everybody's probably just stuck on the coffee thing for a minute. Right. <laughs> coffee and peanuts are two of the most highly naturally occurring mold crops. And so that's why there's all these really expensive coffee products out there right now that are mycotoxin free. Because if you aren't getting better, you know, I just had a patient the other day. She, we've helped her a ton. She's had chronic lung issues. And even through COVID, we've kept her out of the hospital. She used to be in the hospital on antibiotic therapy and steroids multiple times a year. Every time she got the tiniest little upper respiratory something, it went into full-blown pneumonia. And they just told her she's got a chronic lung disease and this is how it's going to be. And we've gotten her way, way better by doing our usual, but she still always had just a mild little cough every day, like a just little subclinical cough and, you know, post-nasal drip. And her daughter found something online and said, mom, you eat peanut butter every single morning. And she's not a big meat eater. So she was eating the peanut butter, you know, to add another protein source and unknowingly exposing herself to mold. And so in a very short time after stop eating the peanut butter every morning, lo and behold, her cough is completely gone. And she's happy, but also like so frustrated that like it was that simple, you know? So we can test mycotoxins so that if you haven't been able to figure it out um, and, and or you unsuspectingly have been exposed to mold that we can find it fairly quickly. This is one of those just sneaky things. It's one of those things like if you read this panel of who are the who are the mycotoxin functional labs for, it sounds like it's all over the place and it's not all just respiratory. Like everybody thinks mold is going to affect your lungs because you breathe it in, but it can definitely be a source of neurotoxicity. So brain fog, like extreme brain fog, agitation and anxiety, you know, sensitivity to light. It can also attack the musculoskeletal system. So um, stiff muscles, um, increased urinary frequency is a weird one, uh, swelling and burning in the lips and tongues, headaches that are not migraine type, um, 
just all sorts of stuff can be related to mycotoxins and mold. And I've seen patients that mold ends up being the trigger, like the root cause, and they have digestive issues, super high sensitivities to foods, um, unexplained weight loss, just really like failure to thrive, super weak immune system. Um, these are the patients that didn't suspect mold and that in fact was the problem. And then in one of the cases, for example, they found that the person who built their house, they installed something to do with the HVAC and the returns. They 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 created it. They put it together incorrectly. And so it was causing moisture issues, recirculating moisture issues in the home. And they had they found mold on their furniture. They had to get rid of everything. So before it gets to that point, what I'm saying is let's find it and get to it sooner than later. It's a much less expensive issue. And then another one for environmental toxins. So depending on, like I said, we interview you about where you live and what your exposures were and where you grew up and that kind of thing, we'll know which of those panels to do. And there's a heavy metal panel as well. Um, I do want to mention the Dutch Plus. This is one of my new loves and favorite panels because it incorporates three of the above panels and you really get a lot of bang for your buck because it incorporates the three. So it does the the hormone testing, it does the adrenal testing, and then it does something called an oats test that can test for nutritional deficiencies. So you get three panels in one, and you can do male or female, you can do cycling, you can do um, postmenopausal. We get a lot of variety with the Dutch test. So I, mean, I really, really, really like the Dutch test. And then we have also a bunch of different blood labs. So if you, um, a good example for blood labs is that is the thyroid panel, for example. If your doctor won't do anything, then a traditional blood lab for you and you and and or insurance won't cover it. We belong to a blood lab co-op. It allows us to uh, to order more extensive lab panels, and we get um, a better cash rate for it. Um, because it's a co-op. And so it's a way for you to get the blood work that you actually need to see the whole picture and not just what insurance will cover or your or your doctor is comfortable and or knowledgeable about ordering on your behalf. Um, so the thyroid panel, for example, I have no idea how and why TSH became the gold standard for measuring thyroid health, but most people don't know that TSH isn't even a thyroid hormone. Um, TSH is thyroid stimulating hormone that comes from the pituitary. So by only looking at TSH, it tells you nothing about what's actually happening in the thyroid gland itself. And so there's a whole thyroid panel about like free T3 and T4. Is your body can have enough of either hormone? Can it convert T3 to the active form of T4? Do you have antibodies showing like Hashimoto's or autoimmune destruction in the thyroid gland? Like all of this is clinically relevant to get you on the right protocol. So that's just one example of traditional blood labs really not showing you a whole heck of a lot. So usually we want more in-depth panels and um, if need be, we can order those. So we can use those to add to what you already have had done. Usually I suggest people bring me what they've had done, at least the most recent values of it. And then we could decide what needs to be ordered in addition. So if we can utilize what you have, great. Sometimes we just need to get the rest of the picture ordered for you. Um, or we can give you, um, you know, 
a breakdown of what should be ordered at least as a minimum. You can take that to your medical doctor and if they're willing to order it under your insurance, amazing. If not, like I said, at least we have the co-op prices to do that. So I'm going to go back to the slideshow. So that's all on the website. Everything that I just went over is on our healthbydesignfl.com. And then just go right off the homepage, the functional medicine tab. You can read more about each of the labs that I went over and also take the little self-evaluation under each one to see if that's something that you should be considering. And of course we can talk more about it. So um, this was Rini. She was somebody who early on decided to do some of these functional labs. And um, I'll read you her little story. This is why. She said, with a family history of cancer, I want to do everything in my power to prevent it. I realized nutrition is so important, but was confused and overwhelmed with what to include in my diet and what to avoid. There are so many diets and lifestyles out there. It's hard to know what is best for myself. With the nutrigenomics test, I've learned that my body needs complex carbohydrates and cannot rely on fat for energy, such as the keto diet. Surprisingly, I've learned that health foods such as green tea and flax seeds are things I should avoid. I know what food groups to limit now. I am sensitive to salt and caffeine. With this info, I can make changes to my diet based on my genetics. Also, it's been very helpful to have proper supplementation based on info from the nutrigenomics test. Dr. Christie provided a new supplement regimen based on my results. So it's not good peace of mind. No guessing. So we talked a little bit, but how is this different than the nutrition response testing? So our current patients who are working with us would want to um, pay attention to this slide in particular. Um, the first thing is it just allows us to go on a deeper level. So if you think of it with nutrition response testing, when we're testing you, you know, we're placing our hand over organ systems. So we're really testing you on an organ level with nutrition response testing. And with these labs that I just described, we can go deeper. We can go to the cellular level. We can go within the cell to the biochemical level. And we can even go deeper all the way down to your genetics. And your genetics literally is like, that's the life code. That's the body's instruction code on how to live and breathe and function. So I don't think anybody's been able to get deeper than the genetic level, which is if you're a science nerd like me, like really fun and cool. Number two is to get more root cause. So sometimes the deficiency or the imbalance is the symptom of all the stuff that's going on intracellular and biochemically and on a genetic level. And so if you can back up and dive down onto that enzymatic level and stop it before the deficiency or imbalance comes about, um, you're just handling it on the back end versus on the front end. So we can come at it from both ends of the biochemical process, if that makes sense. And also, they're a complement. So it's not like do this or do that or do this and then that. They work together. And so functional medicine can also help us explain those unresolved symptoms that you might be having. Uh, like I said, a lot of times we can get people really far, but then sometimes it plateaus and sometimes people just want excellence. Like they want to be as good as they possibly can and as high performance as they possibly can and know that they're doing everything in their power, like Rini's story, to prevent inevitable disease. So that is a good complement to what we're already doing on a daily basis. The super exciting thing with, you know, COVID, I kind of had to come to terms and luckily this didn't happen in the state of Florida, but I had colleagues that were not 
considered essential in their state. And they weren't able to push on arms and see patients face to face. And they had to handle people virtually. And so, you know, I was faced with that. If that were to happen, what would I do? And how would I offer the same services and the same guarantee of improvement that we've been able to create over the past 20 years? And so, like I said, I've hand-selected these tests you know, for our current patients, but also for patients who can't come on site or who can't come regularly on site. So we do have inpatient people. We have people that are exclusively virtual. And then my favorite is kind of the hybrid patients. And so what's fun is the patients, like if you can come on site at least to do your initial um, full evaluation, and then some people are able to agree to come once a quarter on site, and then we just do virtual appointments with, you know, in between. Um, some people are able to come every month or couple of months. It just totally depends on the situation. Some people are willing because of an acute situation or a terminal, you know, illness that they are willing to make the effort to get on site more frequently for a short duration of time. We have all these hybrid different types of protocol. And so, these functional labs are an awesome addition for our virtual patients. And then the last thing is just fine tuning, like getting even more specific, like Rini said, with those dietary and lifestyle recommendations you can really, really just dial down on what exactly your body needs so that you know how to nurture it the way it uniquely and individually needs to be nurtured. And so the labs, anytime you order labs with us, it includes a consult. So number one, there's a lot of interesting labs and maybe they're not clinically relevant or maybe things should be done in a certain order. And so if you don't know what to order based on the self-assessment on our, on our website, um, we can get on a quick consult and I can make some recommendations. So you get the consult. And then you get the test kit. Um, you can pick it up in office or we can ship it to you. And in the kit are all the materials that you need to collect the sample, including instructions on how to collect it and where to send it and how to care for it in the meantime. You get the support of our patient advocate. So she'll help and make sure that you've received the kit, that you know what to do, answer questions, um, make sure it ships off, and then track it once the lab gets it to make sure that we can download the data as soon as it's available and start on our end. And then I get it, and I get to go behind the scenes and do all my nerdy interpretation. And once your interpretation is ready, I invite you for your initial consult. And so, like I said, we do this consult in two steps. The first one is to orient you to the results and kind of give a general overview of what it is. I will make protocol recommendations at that point. Those recommendations might be simple, just, you know, supplements and dietary lifestyle stuff. If it's more complicated, then I'm going to recommend maybe we do um, at least a four-month program. And in some cases, it might be work together for a four, eight-month, or one-year program, depending. But you always have the choice. And then once you've had time to kind of digest those recommendations and work on it and review the results and over, you know, go over them and read them, um, I invite you to do a second consult. Um, and at that point, that will have generated other additional questions about how to apply the information that you've gotten from the test because you've had a little time to work with it and think about it as well. So that's everything that's going to be included when you order labs. And... I just wanted to read you another testimonial. I really um, appreciate this woman. She was able to feel vulnerable, but hormones really are something that we test 
for and can give people a lot more hope. A lot of people just kind of have this intuitive feel that like they don't want to take hormone replacement therapy. They don't agree with it. But then depending on the symptoms and how much it interferes with life, that they suddenly are like, maybe that's the only thing that I can do. So this woman said, at the age of 69, my new gynecologist wanted me to go on hormones for vaginal dryness and thinning. I said, no, no hormones, and he was not happy with me. I was already seeing Dr. Christie, so I asked her for alternatives, which is a very timely question. I took the new saliva-based hormone tests and found the deficiencies causing my issues. So Dr. Christie recommended two supplements and a vaginal hydration suppository. It has made a huge difference and the dryness is gone and I feel more balanced emotionally as well. I will continue with these indefinitely as they have addressed an issue most women face, but for whom few find the right answers. And she thanks us for it. So that is a big issue and a lot of women aren't willing to talk about it or if they have a male gynecologist, it can be kind of um, embarrassing for them as well. So then I just ask you, like, I recognize that these tests come with a cost. None of them are inexpensive. Um, the good news with the genomics testing, though, is that you never have to do it again because your genes are your genes. And when you pay for the nutrigenomics testing, anything that's ever added to the human genome product, anytime they add more research and um, they discover other genetic links to diseases or other mutations, your lab results, you get a patient portal and a digital copy, your digital copy will always get updated with the new information forevermore. So you never have to have that test done again. So that's good. But honestly, like if you're like most of my patients, I just ask you like when you're trying to make a decision and whether or not this is worth it, like how much have you invested DIYing it and on online courses and health health books and all the supplements and pills and potions and maybe prescriptions and tests and invasive stuff and doctors and co-pays, like seriously, you know, this would be a fraction of all of that to get to a root cause and a solution and a protocol that's customized to you. And I really look forward to working with you on your health goals. It's just so much exciting stuff and so much that can be done. So like I said, there is hope your body heals. Don't accept the doom and gloom and an inevitable, you know, diagnosis. Stop, advocate for yourself, ask questions and find out if in fact there is something more that can be done. In Good Health Naturally, I'm signing off for the night. I'm Dr. Christy Harvell.